people talk about how hard it is to give up your identity, how hard it is to, you know, sort of jump off the cliff when you don't have a paycheck. Um, I definitely was totally fine with it by the time it happened with giving up the identity. Uh, but the not having the money thing was not, you know, was really scary. That was Kirsten Powers, a New York Times bestselling author, a liberal columnist, and most recently, an on-air political analyst with CNN. In 2023, after almost two decades, she left what she calls the media circus to pursue a completely different life as a writer and as a life coach. Currently, she writes a very popular newsletter on Substack called, appropriately, Changing the Channel. She published an essay recently about her plan to move to Italy with her husband because, as she put it, the U.S. is unlivable with school shootings, the frenetic pace of life, and because it's too expensive. The post went viral, really hitting a nerve with her many readers, and now she's working on a book proposal. Kirsten is the author most recently of Saving Grace, Speak Your Truth, Stay Centered, and Learn to Coexist with People Who Drive You Nuts. That kind of sums up Kirsten's approach to life. She is bold, appropriate for the Bold Age podcast, very fast-thinking, and she's committed to living authentically. I loved this thought-provoking conversation with her. I'm Debbie Weil, your host. Let's jump in. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, this is exciting uh, for me. Uh, you're pretty famous, actually, because I don't always interview famous people. But anyway, here's my question. You are living the dream, as they say. Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to. <laughs> well, I'm putting that in the present tense because you had this really high-powered job as a senior analyst with CNN, and I guess maybe making a lot of money. And then you gave it up this past summer. You left, you called it the media circus. You left it. My question is, when did you start thinking about leaving CNN or leaving that, that career? And when was, was there a defining moment when you made the decision? It wasn't a defining moment. It was a gradual thing, uh, really post-2016 when everything got a little bit crazier and it really affected my job. And I got away from what I used to do, which was more like, and I mean, I still was doing analysis, but it used to be much more focused on issues. So, you know, we would often be talking about like the immigration plan or the healthcare plan, or, you know, and I'm not going to say we never, I mean, we talked about politics obviously as well, but it wasn't just this constant um, who's up, who's down, you know, kind of almost like politics as a sport, Right. Um, which again, I think was always happening, but it just wasn't the only thing that was happening. And then you add in sort of what happened in 2016 and the type of people I was having to really get in arguments with, which I don't really like doing. I much prefer, you know, analyzing it. Someone else can have a different opinion, but they're using facts. Um, and it, yeah, it just, it just really wore me out. And I, I think after the Brett Kavanaugh hearings was probably when I was like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the whole problem of, I mean, of 
did I leave or was I pushed out? I mean, they didn't renew mm -hmm. my contract. Um, and I wanted to leave and I think I would have left, but I also kind of wanted them to do that <laughs> because it just is so hard to walk away from a, a, a paycheck, right? I mean, I, I, I have, you know, no income. I had nothing else lined up because I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, though I had been thinking about it because we had new owners. So I sort of knew I should prepare for it. Um, but yeah, I think it was the thing that people talk about how hard it is to give up your identity, how hard it is to, you know, sort of jump off the cliff when you don't have a paycheck. Um, I definitely was totally fine with it by the time it happened with giving up the identity. Uh, but the not having the money thing was not, you know, was really scary. Mm. Um, I was looking at your Wikipedia post and I guess God, that's such a like trash heap of misinformation. So I'm interested to hear what, what, what it says. Now. Okay. Well, I, first of all, it doesn't <laughs> say what you're doing. It does. I, I read it quickly, but it does not mention your Substack newsletter, which we're going to get to. It sort of doesn't, it sort of like stops where you were before, which is interesting. Yeah. But the, but the Washington Post called you, I kind of love this, bright-eyed, sharp-tongued, and gamely combative. Um, mm -hmm. Is that Kirsten gone? A little bit, yeah, I think so. But, you know, that also, that was when I was at Fox News. So I was in a different environment where I was having to really advocate for a different way of thinking than the other people there were. And so... I, that was, yeah, if you put me back in that environment, which you couldn't get me back into for like anything in the world, but if for some reason I was back in that environment, yeah, I would still be that way. You know, I wasn't, I, I was like, yeah, gamely combative. Like I was definitely willing to kind of go toe to toe with people, but I wasn't being mean or anything like that. Right. So I think it's the way that I try to be when I'm on television, which is to be informative, but don't get in screaming matches. Not to say I never got in a screaming, screaming match. I mean, I used to be <laughs> O'Reilly every Monday night. So there, you know, every now and then I just couldn't take it anymore. But um, yeah, so that, that was, that's very accurate. I just like the me today just doesn't have any interest in any of that. Yeah. You know? tell, so tell us a little bit of, okay. So you did leave last summer, I think. In, last yeah, July. July. End of July, August, basically. And I know because um, I don't know you really well, but we met in Mexico at a very interesting retreat. So I know that you're thinking about a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So, well, I'm just thinking here as I'm asking you the question, maybe I should just jump right to talking about your Substack newsletter because I was reading your about page and on Substack and it's absolutely marvelous. So can I read a few sentences? Because that sure. might, okay. Yeah. You said... Um, so you're writing to potential readers of your newsletter and you say, I want you to imagine that you possess a remote control, like the one you use for your television, where you can choose to switch from the toxic, numbing or self-defeating channel you're currently tuned into to another that is more aligned with who you are, what you value and the life you want to create. And then you say, that's what I've done in almost every part of my life. And I'll share my journey with you here. Wow, that's pretty big. So so, wait, so did you have to think about that for a while? Like how you were going to write about it? And I don't know if it's a moneymaker for you or not. But because I know you had started the newsletter and then you stopped it for a couple months, I guess, while you were thinking. So 
just tell us a little bit about how you're thinking about all these things through current yeah, well, when I, originally, I originally launched it and i really can't remember when it was i was still at cnn i think it was maybe a year before i left um and the Substack people basically were like, look, if you want this to be successful, you need to write about politics because that's what you're known for. And this is pretty standard advice. Like you get this from book agents, you get this from everybody, right? It's like, do what everybody knows you for. That's what they're coming to you for. And then you can slowly start to maybe every now and then do something different and they'll tolerate it. And then you can maybe slowly pivot towards something else. And I thought, I don't really want to do that. You know, I really was already pretty much ready to leave CNN. I, in my mind, I was going to stay for another year. Um, and that year was to kind of figure out what I was going to do. Um, but I ignored my inner, you know, knowing and went ahead and uh, sort of agreed to do what they suggested. And I immediately knew I'm going to stick. I, I just was like, why did I do this? I don't want to do this. I don't want to write about these things. Um, and so I didn't, and of course, you know, if you feel that way, then you're not really going to do anything. Right. It's like, yeah. I would kind of grudgingly post something, but my heart wasn't really in it and they weren't that great. And, you know, it was just kind of, you know, and I got subscribers because they made it a featured Substack or whatever, but it wasn't like in any way taking off and nor should it have been because I wasn't putting any effort into it because I didn't want to do it. And so I kind of got to this place where I was like, I just need to take a pause and figure out how I feel. And so I posted something I just, and I, you know, paused billing and just said, I need to like, be honest with you about what's going on. This is where I am. My heart's not in this. I don't know what I want to do with the substock. And so I just posted that and I let it sit for, I think a couple months. And then I kind of came back with this idea of changing the channel, which I got actually from a friend who suggested it as kind of the because she's basically like, this is what you've done. This is what you you help people do in coaching. And so I relaunched it in September and I've loved it and it's doing really well and it's like gaining traction and people are really impacted by it. And I had like a post that went totally viral, you know. Yeah, I was like, going to ask you about that just a sec. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's just been, and I have just loved it. I just, you know, couldn't be happier couldn't be happier. I love Substack. So you're sort of living through that writing of yeah. it. Um, At this point, it's not like anything I could live off of, but it's, I've also only been doing it really since September. So, you know, got to be realistic, but I think it's, you know, it is making some money and it is, you know, it's growing and it's impact, you know, it feels impactful. I'm hearing a lot from people about the impact and I really love what I'm writing about and I love what I'm doing and I really love the people that I'm interacting with and I love what I'm reading and I just, I love everything about it. Gosh, well, I, um, I'm totally with you on that because I've been fascinated by Substack and I have my own newsletter and it's um, not as popular as yours, but I'm not as well known. So it's, but I just, the whole community of people are so interesting and thoughtful and I don't know, good hearted. Right. Um, but I want to clarify one thing though. So this changing the channel, which by the way is brilliant, it's perfect, mm -hmm. um, which relates to you having become a life coach. Was that so did you work on that before you left CNN? Like you you so you kind of were doing something like that or on the side, or how did that work? The coaching? Yeah. 
Well, I started doing, I just basically, when I knew, when we had the new owners come in and they basically laid everybody off, but they didn't lay me off, but I kind of thought, I don't think I'm going to probably make it another year. And I didn't really love the way the stuff they were doing. I decided I just need to start following things that sort of light me up. Right. And the Enneagram has always been something which is a personality typing system for lack of a better explanation. It doesn't really capture it, but you know, for people who haven't heard of it, it's, it's not like Myers-Briggs, but it's, that's kind of the concept. Um, And it's for personal growth and spiritual growth. If you want to use it for that, you don't have to. Um, And it really helps people understand what their blind spots are and how to grow and, it's been transformative in my life. So I decided to take a class uh, and see how I felt about it. And I, you know, somebody recommended um, this place, uh, Beatrice Chestnut and Ronnie O'Pace have a something called the CP Enneagram. And uh, I took one of their classes and I was just I was like, this is it, you know? So I signed up for their certification program and um and so I'm I'm still going through that program. I've been through like I've done all the like coursework basically, and now I'm just doing the you know certification part of working with clients and things like that. So, and when I started publicly saying I was doing this, I had people come to me and ask me to coach them. And so wow. I've done a few clients, but I'm not really like officially launching anything because I just, I don't have time um, because I'm really putting time into the Substack. I'm actually probably going to turn that uh viral post into a book proposal so hopefully i'll be right oh okay well, hold on hold on we have to we have to talk about that so enneagram i'll put all those links in the um show notes and you'll tell me what the other links were but the, um wait what is, what is your personality profile i'm the uh type eight which is the challenger oh well that sounds perfect yep that's right mm-hmm. i haven't done it so um but yeah. that's perfect um, all right. So one of your recent posts for Substack was about moving to Italy with your husband, which is something I guess you've been thinking about and you're actually sort of going to do it. And it went wildly viral. I mean, I looked at it. I think it has well over a thousand likes, as they call it. So yeah. tell us which, about that. So people know on Substack is like almost unheard of. You know, on on Instagram, I could get a thousand likes. I could get thousands of likes, but, you know, it's not as a... Uh, yeah, no, no, it is. It totally is. Yeah, I don't, say, don't I, read it, tend to read it in an app, in the app. Some people do, but most people are reading it in email. So they're, you know, them actually going through the motions of hitting the like button takes, it's a much heavier lift. So yeah. Well, so tell us about that. Cause I think that somehow it's like, you just absolutely hit something and maybe you thought you were just sort of writing something, um, a little cool. form informative and upbeat. And here's what we're doing. So, I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, well, I actually didn't think of it as upbeat because it's really about how I'm at the end of the rope with the United States. <laughs> so, right, right. No, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, yes. and I just, no, I, you know, I had, we'd been in Italy for two weeks um, looking at uh, land and houses and I actually took off the two weeks from my Substack. So I was like, I have to post, I mean, it's, you know, I have a deadline of basically I publish on Tuesday or Wednesday. And so I was like, I have to publish something and this is what's on my mind. And actually wrote it on the flight back from Italy. And you know, I thought people would be interested in it, but no, did I think people were going to respond the way they did? Absolutely not. And not just that it went viral. It's just, that so I know so many people personally who have like 
I mean, are, are actually like one person's actually in Italy right now, like looking for possibly moving, you know, another person's like got her fiance to agree to move there for three months. I mean, like another friend went to Italy over, um, over Christmas because after reading my thing was like, we need to move to Italy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I just keep hearing like all these kinds of stuff where it just like unleashed something in people who are just like, I can't live like this anymore. And, and by that, you mean where we are politically? I mean, specifically, no, actually, perhaps. it doesn't have anything to do with politics. It doesn't. So you're not, it's not no. like the election in the fall, because I know no. people who talked saying no. about that. Really, I didn't even discuss, say anything about politics in the piece. I, oh, okay. Yeah. I actually said at the beginning that most people assume that I'm talking about politics. And certainly that's, a, you know, a factor, right? I mean, I think there's a reason to be concerned about it. But even if there was no problem in terms of the political situation, the United States has become really unlivable for a lot of people. Um, it has Wait, become tell us about that. so ridiculously expensive in a mm. way that doesn't even make sense until you realize that it's just designed to enrich certain people and kind of leave everybody else in debt. Um, and I just went through different things that I have realized over the last probably five years of, you know, spending time in Italy, where you start to realize like, oh, there's other places where these things don't happen. I mean, for one thing, there's other places where you don't have to worry about your your children or your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews being shot in school. I mean, let's just start there. Oh, right. Um, you don't have to worry about being killed in a mass shooting. You don't have to worry about any of those things in Italy. You, you know, medical care is some of the best in the world, you know, the last time it was ranked by the world health organization, Italy had the second best healthcare system in the world. It costs you about a thousand dollars a year for health insurance and it covers everything. Um, and I was talking about how year, years ago when I had been over there, I, uh, I, my, I was having this pain in my mouth. And when I came home, I needed a, a root canal and they, you know, handed me the bill and it was $5,000. And I was just like, is this a joke? Oh. Like, I don't even understand. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, who has $5,000 just laying around? And I was like, at the time working at CNN, you know, so this is, so I'm thinking like, what does the regular person do in this situation? Um, and then I talked to my friend or friends who live in Italy. They asked me later, like, oh, whatever happened with your tooth? And I said, oh, yeah, $5,000 bill. And the husband said, oh, I had a root canal. They're Americans, you know, but they lived there half the year. And they said, I had a root canal in Italy. And it was the best root canal I ever had. And it was $500. <laughs> hey, how about do you speak Italian or are you learning? I'm learning. My husband speaks it. Okay. Yeah, but um, I, will, I will need to speak it. I mean, I want to speak it, but I also will need to speak it because the area we're going, a lot of people don't speak English. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you kind of about religion and faith or if those are the right, right words, but can you talk about that a little bit in your, I guess in your 30s, um, you became an evangelical Christian, but then you have left that behind but that's one reason you you know Jonathan Merritt who also came on the podcast so where is that in your life right now um I would say I'm probably like spiritual not religious at this point um you know I sometimes say like Christian-ish in the sense that I still like to <laughs> I still like to go to mass sometimes but I don't feel like I'm, I consider myself a very spiritual person but I don't feel in any way like you know, the Catholic church can tell me how to think about things or whatever. Like, I just don't buy into any of that. 
you know, I think that there's wisdom there and I access that wisdom, but I'm not interested in all the stuff that I feel is very political. Um, and yeah. And so I, you know, I grew up in an atheist, pretty much atheist family. I mean, we did go to the Episcopal church when I was growing up, but I found out later that that was mostly just because they, my dad just thought that's how you raise children, not because he actually believed in God. <laughs> so, um, and and then I, you know, after my dad died suddenly and I had a bunch of sort of tragedies in my family, I was dating somebody who was an evangelical and I went to church with him and I just, you know, kind of at a very vulnerable time uh, fell into that and became very religious um, and in a very unhealthy way. It's, um, you know, it's, I have to say, it's just, just completely fascinating to me that someone, I guess, like you, I mean, you're so intelligent and and I, it, it, it's just fascinating to me that you but the, did that. Well, but it's, it's, there's really, I went into the only church in existence that where it would have happened. Um, the pastor of it actually just passed away and he will go down in history as like one of the great, you know, Christian pastors. And he, uh, it was in Manhattan, you know, so it's yep. a very different yep. time. And it was Tim Keller and, it, you know, he, it was very intellectual, very sophisticated, you know, lots of philosophy and art and all these things, you know, really bringing the Bible and the Christian teaching alive. Um, and I didn't really realize until I'd gotten in, deeper into it, a lot of the other things that the people at the church believe, because that wasn't being preached from the pulpit, right? So, and and this was a long time ago. I mean, this was 2005. So, we know, you know, now it wouldn't make sense because we know so much about evangelicals. Back then, I didn't really know anything about them. Like I knew that like George Bush had been an evangelical, right? But I didn't really have any concept of any of these things. And so it was it was all kind of like a mystery to me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Wait, yeah. what, was the, what was the one thing that sort of made you say, okay, that, that's enough. I can't do that anymore. I mean, honestly, for a lot of the time, I was very conflicted. You know, I was kind of like, and then I don't know, I don't think, I don't think there was a single thing. I just, it was just, again, it was a gradual thing. And then you just, and you know, you don't, the reason there's very few people have like a moment in those situations is because it's your community. And so to walk away from your community is very hard. And so it's just like over time, you just, you stop feeling as connected to the community, right? Mm. It's like, and then it just becomes more and more difficult. And then I just, you know, eventually was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, um, yeah, like I said, it wasn't like a one, like I went to church and I never went again. It was more like, I, you know, I used to go to church every week and then it became three times a month and then it became two times a month and then it became one, you know, it was that kind of thing. Yeah, no, okay. Wait, I have another question for you. Um, well, I think you still seem pretty intense. I mean, in a, in a good way, in a nice way. <laughs> Um, but I'm just wondering, you talked about the change, changing the channel and um, mm -hmm. Enneagrams and, and being more interested in spirituality and so forth. Are you still in the process of making those changes? I know you're not in Italy yet. Where where are you in that? We um, put an offer on the land and we're going back in about a month to close on it. And then we will start renovating a structure that's on it and then also build a house. And so as soon as that first structure is renovated, 
then I will go over there and my husband will just still has to stay in DC for his job. So he'll come when he can come. So it'll, and then it'll probably take a year for the house to be built. Wait, but what I'm asking you is, do you, do you, do you sort of picture a different or a completely different Kirsten in Italy? One who's, did you wake up every morning and just totally calm? And I don't know, I'm just curious. How, how does, well, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't really know what you mean when you say I seem very intense. I mean, I'm actually very calm. So I don't <laughs> like that doesn't, well, I, I don't, I, I guess I don't really know that I see intense and calm being like, it depends on what you mean by intense. I mean, am I passionate about things? Yes. But like, I'm not, um, like I'm not striving. Yeah, no, I know. I know what you mean. Well, I didn't mean it to yeah. sound critical. I mean, it's, I guess. No, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I, it's not whether it's critical or not. You're free, actually free to be critical. I just don't know what it means. Yeah. But, well, maybe like, I don't either. I guess it's that. I just feel like there's a lot there. Like you're really thinking hard about a lot of things. Maybe that just comes across to me. As yeah. And I bit. think if you knew me better, you would know it takes me no effort to think like that. <laughs> I literally, <laughs> if my husband was here, he'd be laughing. You know, well, tell, like, tell me about that. Tell me about yeah, your husband Well, no, laughing. I mean, it's like when I open my eyes in the morning, he's just like, he says like the scariest moment of the day is when you open your eyes because you are already like a mile ahead. You know what I mean? Like I wake up and I'm like, did you see the thing in the New York Times yesterday? You know what I mean? Like I'm already and he's like, I'm not even awake. <laughs> so it's just my brain moves really fast, but it's not there's for me, like I have been very intense in my life. I'm I'm not like that now. Like there's not anything really attached to it. It's just like curiosity or excitement or whatever, but I'm not like the what used to be what I would say my intensity used to be was oh I just this intense drive to accomplish. Okay, well that's that's kind of what I'm asking you. So so the intense drive to accomplish it's changing or it's morphed. I yeah, mean that's changing. that's kind of, I wouldn't you know. I think that that's one thing about the Enneagram that's was really helpful to me is that it's part of the kind of personality structure of a type eight to crave intensity. So it, so it makes a lot of sense, for example, that I would end up at Fox as a Democrat, right? It's like looking for like tension and like something to push against, like that's a very eights look for that. So part of my growth has been to not seek that out, right? And so that's just a, con that's going to be a constant. So it, is it completely gone? No, not at all. You know, it's like, but is it way less than it used to be? Yeah. So like, that's my growth path is doing things in a more easeful way. Um, you know, so like when I'm working on my sub stock, it's like, what's flowing, what's coming? Like, it's not, I'm not pushing anything. I'm not like, I'm really trying to get out of that. Like I'm making things happen kind of mentality, but that that's my growth path. And I don't, I, I assume I'll be on that path for the rest of my life. Oh, I love that. Is it is writing easy for you? Does it just come pouring out? It's pretty easy. Yeah. If it's if it's blocked, it's because I'm not doing the right thing. Hmm. Like it's almost never happens, but like it happened with when I launched the wrong substack, you know, where I was just like, I don't know what I want to write about. Nothing's coming. I don't want whatever. But as soon as I move to a paradigm that works for me and I and I choose something that I want to write about, then it comes very easily. Mm. What that, is that's not to say I don't do a lot of work. I mean, I spend a lot of time on my posts, but 
you know, the getting the kind of writing out and then there's like the, you know, the research and the editing and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's still a lot of work, but it's, uh, it does come pretty easily. Is there one thing in Italy, just one part of daily life that you just sit there in DC and dream about? Maybe it's taking a coffee in the little village or I don't know. I'm just curious. Is there just one thing that comes to mind? I mean, I think about all sorts of things. I don't know that there's one thing. I think it is the way of life if there was just one thing, right? It's just that it's not rushing around. People have time, you know, like they don't believe in rushing. Like that's not something that they do. It's just slower. I mean, when I think specifically about being on our land, like just being in nature, you know, getting up in the morning and just being, you know, surrounded by nature we're like 25 minute drive to the beach and to go swimming in the ocean and just really to be connected to nature and um just yeah more disconnected to all of the sort of static that i feel like can really kind of take over your life in the united states and it's this is in puglia is that right Mm -hmm. yeah that's neat all right so what have i forgotten to ask you or is there just one more thing you wanted to say i don't i don't know (laughs) i don't know you don't know okay um okay will you be teaching at mea the the wisdom school you and i went to in baja you were talking about maybe you'll be too far away now in italy to go i don't know i mean we talked about it I'd love to do that. We just would have to figure out, you know, we haven't figured out um, what it would be and yeah, where I'm going to be and all that kind of stuff. So, but I love, I love that place and I love the work they're doing and, um, and I would love to do that, you know, do something like that. I'm hoping that most of this year is going to be spent working on a book. Oh, so, oh wait, I told you that was my question. So your book, your book about Italy, moving to Italy. That's so cool. Well, yeah. I mean, I have to sell the book. But it's but I'm working on a proposal. It's it's not really going to be about Italy. It's going to be more about what about the United States and kind of where we are with late stage capitalism and you know why so many people are feeling like you know the United States is unlivable and it's just become too much. You know, and something that I don't think I you know if you would have asked me when I was younger, do you think you would ever leave and live somewhere else? I, I would have been like, yeah, I would do it for a couple of years or something, but I wouldn't relocate, which is what I'm doing. Right. Mm. Um, and so it says something that I'm doing this and that a lot of people are doing it actually, you know, and a lot of people would like to do it, you know, who haven't done it. And there's then another group of people who would like to do it and won't be able to do it for various reasons. Right. But so it's just the fact that there is this desire among people because things have gotten so bad in the United States and it's so different than even when I was growing up um wait which was in alaska that's the last thing yeah. i'll ask you what did that if, are things aren't things quieter in alaska i mean you, there's no place that's quiet that has the internet in the united oh, states that's true you know, it's like yeah they have the internet in um italy but you don't see people like nobody has their phones out on the table nobody's you know i mean like it's just that people are present you know it's it's not like in the United States. So even in Alaska, is it better than other places? Yeah, for sure. But my nieces, you know, are glued to their phones. They, you know, are, are on social media. They're, you know, they know everything that's going on with in the entire world. That's just not what I grew up with. And it's not what anybody of my generation grew up with. 
Yeah. You know? So we just weren't connected that way. Right. So, I mean, of course this is before so long before the cell phone and um, you know, so it's like, we just, you just had time to just kind of be, you know, yeah. and not feel like your nervous system was always on high alert um, the way I feel like it is now in the United States. So, you know, you can, there, I'm sure there are places in the United States where you can go and live like a slower life. But I think that, you know, I'm a person who, I mean, I, I love Alaska, but I left Alaska. I lived in New York City and DC for all of my adult life. I'm not really looking for the small town experience, you know? Um, I'm looking just for a more livable experience. And I still want access to a lot of the culture and um, all the things that cities provide. And in Italy, you have that no matter where you live. Even if you lived out in the country, you still have access to great cuisine and, you know, things like that. So it's, um, yeah. So I think that that's something that I don't know where you would go in the United States to get something similar. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, I can't, I really can't think of it because in any big city, everybody's burnt out. Yeah, I mean, even in this very small place I live on the coast of Maine, I mean, there's just, I don't know, always something going on and people are glued to their phones and to Facebook and so forth. I loved your phrase, um, easeful, mm -hmm. um, to sort of be more easeful and live more easily. Uh, that's certainly a goal of mine. I just don't know how easy it is to get there. So, um, well, I can't wait to read more of your Substack and... That's it. If you don't want to add any more, I, I, I don't want to keep you because I know you're going to go on to the next thing today, whatever that is. Um, no, I don't have anything to add, but it was great talking to you. Okay. Susan, <laughs> thank you so very much. This, this was so very, very interesting. Good. Yeah, thank you for having me, Debbie. And that's it for this episode of the Bold Age Podcast. Help us spread the word tell a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a comment or question, send it to theboulderpodcast at gmail.com. I promise to respond. Till next time, I'm Debbie Weil.